Hey everyone, and thanks for joining us uh, for another pure Nintendo Koopa cast. And uh, we're talking uh, Pokemon today, and we're not talking the latest game. Uh, <laughs> we, we will be uh, eventually, but we're going all the way back to Gen 1. And uh, why do we go from Mario to, to Kirby to Pokemon? That's just the type of people we are, so. <laughs> we love all these franchises, and, and we want to talk about them all. Um, I am not a Pokemon veteran by any means, but I have some with me, thankfully. Uh, Justin's back. Welcome, Justin. Hey, everyone. Good to be back. And we have Kirsty with us as well. Hello. How's it going? Woohoo. And uh, <laughs> Kirsty, I was checking last time you were on a cast was back in February 2021 when we were uh, talking new Pokemon Snap and Time <laughs> and Pearl. So, Man. Uh, yeah. I'm glad to have yeah. you. I'm excited to be back on one. I feel like a lot of these, um, I I worry I'm not going to have enough to say about the subject matter, um, but the Pokemon ones I could talk for days, so mm. I'll always be here for a Pokemon one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. The rule of thumb is if you have nothing to say, just start doing a random Simpson quotes. That seems to work for us. <laughs> yes, yeah, yep. <laughs> That's what we oh, usually do. I, I, I can manage that. Yeah. <laughs> I actually wanted to kick it off with you, Christy, uh, because I know talking to you just a, a few minutes ago, you were uh, here from the very beginning uh, with uh, Red and Blue. Um, yeah. Tell me how you get into these games. So, I mean, I don't remember a time where Pokemon like wasn't in my life. Um, I, 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 like, I don't remember getting into Pokemon. I just remember it being on the TV and being in the shops and like desperately wanting my own Pikachu and uh, begging my parents for a Game Boy and then saying no. Um, and my nan eventually um, overriding what my parents wanted and buying me... Uh, for my birthday, she got me a um, bundle of... A Game Boy Color, uh, I got the transparent purple one, uh, which which I know is very cool. <laughs> uh, I got the transparent purple Game Boy Color with Pokemon Red and Blue, so I had both. Oh wow! Uh, wow. So I could I could yeah I could I I could try. I mean they are the same game, <laughs> but yeah. I got to have like both of the regional exclusives without um, having to have friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but no yeah so i got i got that as a kid and i remember getting it for my birthday but like i don't remember a time before i wanted it i was quite young like i was exactly the right age to be suckered into like you know pokemon's very um on point advertising and marketing strategy <laughs> uh whatever they did to uh get into children's minds really worked on me yeah nice Wow. So you, you, you hung on to both. You didn't give one to a sibling or nothing? Well, at the time, I didn't have a sibling that was old enough to play games because I'm the oldest in my family. Ah, um, and I would have been about five or six at that time. And my little sister is four years younger than me. So, like, she had... When we got old enough, she got um, the Game Boy Advance SP. So uh, in time for Generation 3 we got a game each and then had to share it but for yeah generations one and two um for, well, for generation one i got red and blue uh but not yellow and for generation two i got 
gold but not silver or crystal and then after that i got either one or both of every generation there has not been a generation of pokemon i haven't had at least one game um some of them i've had both but usually because um you know aunts and uncles and grandparents haven't realized that they are the same game they just know i like pokemon and have agreed to at least get me the separate ones <laughs> Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, red, red and blue. I red and blue. I had both, except I had friends who had yellow, um, and they would give me tips as to like, for instance, where you could find the starters that you don't pick, because in yellow you can get all three starters, but in uh, red and blue you can't. And I remember being like really confused about why it didn't work when I was listening to my friends who had yellow because I thought, well, red and blue are the same game. Why wouldn't yellow be also the same game? And and it is, except you start with a Pikachu and you can get Charmander, Squirtle and Bulbasaur. And the difference in red and blue is you can get Charmander, Squirtle or Bulbasaur and then you can catch Pikachu in the wild. And um, yeah, that confused me as a kid but looking back now i realize what the difference is yeah. um, it still confuses me and I yeah. <laughs> so. uh justin were you uh comparable were you here from the very beginning yes yeah i was there at the beginning and and similar to kirsty i i ended up actually only having one of the uh gen one games i had blue uh, and I, I loved I loved blue. I man that cartridge got a lot of use. I had it back when I had a Game Boy Pocket, um, so I would play Pokemon Blue on that quite a bit. Uh, and then once I got a Game Boy Color, um, yeah, that transparent purple was an awesome one. I think I had I think I had the lime green one, um, uh, which I was yeah, which was a fun one. I let I really liked green and. So I remember playing a lot of um, Pokemon Blue still on that because even you know as we know even like original Game Boy games got a little bit of color right when you played it on the yeah. on the Game Boy Color system. But um, so yeah, so I did just have one of the Gen One games uh, was instantly hooked. I I don't know I don't know how I got into it necessarily. I think you know like the marketing was the marketing was good. Like I. I think I saw some of the anime, but I wasn't like a big fan of the the show necessarily. Like I, I like I haven't I didn't pick up too much of it since then. But I don't know. Maybe it was someone had Pokemon cards at school or something. But uh, I was already into video games. Both of my brothers had video games, and you know I knew I, I knew just of it. Maybe it was a Nintendo Power or you know something that I saw. But I was like, man, this looks cool. Whatever this is, you know. Um, but was instantly hooked when I got to Gen Two. Uh, that's when I, I got both of them. So uh, gold and silver. I remember asking for both of those. Um, I think when my mom got me, uh, um, I, th I think blue. It may have been a, a Christmas. I can't. I can't remember exactly when it was. But um, I remember like my parents and grandparents were pretty, were pretty you know open to video games and. And my, my grandma was awesome too with, uh, you could tell her any game and she didn't know anything about technology really or, but she would always get the exact thing. Like, you know how sometimes like the salesperson at a store would be like, 
well, we don't have that game. Your 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 grandkid might like this game though, right? She's like, no, no. He asked for this specifically, you know. And she would like, like you know how sometimes like you hear stories of people's grandparents and they get them. Well, I didn't have Pokemon, but they had this other game, and it's you, you know. Uh, uh, what, yeah. what, what is it on Simpsons, uh, Trev, where uh, uh, oh, the uh, golf game? The, the golf game. <laughs> uh, Lee Trevino. Tr- he storm and he gets that golfing game. Yes. <laughs> like that, that typical thing never happened with, with my, my grandma. She was awesome. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was pretty spoiled with, uh, with games. But, yeah, the, and like, like Kirsty, really since then I've had at least one of every main generation game. I occasionally I would buy both if I was just really excited and just caught the caught the itch just right like yeah, I'll get Ruby and Sapphire and you know yeah. uh, like Heart Gold Soul Silver. I loved Gen 2 so much that I bought both of those yeah. and um you know, and you know, I didn't end up playing through all of them necessarily, but you know, when when friends would play DS, I'm like, "Oh, here, you you load up Soul Silver. I've got Heart Gold. Let's let's trade, you know." Um <laughs> So it was always, uh, you know, even if my friends weren't buying the game, I had a couple friends that were into Pokemon, but not, not a whole lot. Like I kind of stayed, you know, into video games all throughout high school and college, uh, as others were getting into other interests. But um, you know, would still kind of uh, trade. And then once you could trade online, then it was like, oh, this is awesome. I can still, still get all the Pokemon. Yeah. So, anyways. I was I was quite similar. I remember being about like thirteen or fourteen. And thinking, oh, maybe maybe it's time for me to like grow out of Pokemon. Maybe maybe I shouldn't never ask never. for the new Pokemon game <laughs> this year. And then like my nan, my my different nan, my other nan, uh-huh. bought me the new Pokemon game without being asked. And I was like, you know what? If I don't need to ask, and I'm this happy to get it, yeah. maybe I don't need to grow out of Pokemon. And I'm glad I didn't, because yeah. I'm like I'm still excited about new Pokemon games. Yeah. Uh, I still, you know, if I'd tried to grow out of it, I just would have been miserable for a couple of years, I think, before deciding actually, like, come into that the same conclusion that I shouldn't grow out of it, force myself to. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, Long live our nans for uh, yeah. gaming love. Yes. yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Man. So, like, I want to ask you guys, because obviously the games have, have advanced and you know we've seen quality of life improvements and just you know with technology and whatnot but in terms of like nostalgia and those childhood memories like our red and blue are they kind of like definitive for you in that sense where you have those feelings yeah i think a lot of the new pokemon games like pay homage to red and blue and yellow in a way that is really nice Mm -hmm. like the most recent one the the symbol of the ghost type interastalizing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is the same ghost that appears in mm-hmm. red and blue and yellow yeah. in the Cubone's mother storyline. Yeah. And there's a city where like the the main building in the city um, is decorated with murals that are um, of sprites from generation one. And I think I think Pokemon is one of those franchises that does a really good job of appealing to the next generation while also um, like having those nods to nostalgia for people who have been playing it for a long time. 
and I think I, I like those little details in the new game that have that and looking back on red and blue I I I, I am really glad that my Game Boy Color does not track how many hours you have played a game the way the Nintendo Switch does because <laughs> it would be it would be so high yeah because like now I will play a game through <laughs> once and then I'll keep the save file to like go back and challenge myself because now like you, you know you can replay the gyms you can craft a new team do whatever in a way that the older games didn't quite uh facilitate but the older games i would quite happily just start a new one and play again from scratch i have lost count of the number of times i've played red and blue through before i got gold mm. like it's wow. just it's quintessential part of my childhood you can encourage us yeah oh, oh yeah the i mean gen one it's it's hard to compare you know, like there are just so many memories with that. I, I can remember just like car rides, you know, long, long road trips or whatever it was as a kid, you know, just being back there on my Game Boy. And it was just such a, it just felt like, um, you know, that, like they had Tamagotchis and you had these other things or, you know, these other little handheld devices that had little games and things, but it really felt like you were going into another world. In, in, yeah. in Pokemon like like that that's how immersive it was like like I, I've always said that like uh, you know people like hey what video game world would you live in right and honestly like Pokemon would be one of my one of my, one of the first ones because granted it's very similar to our world you you know you can uh, there's still lots of you know food and just kind of amenities of like our normal life but you just have these cool creatures everywhere and you know um, it just seemed like it seemed like such a big world, and like Kirsty was saying, the even the stories they were telling in Gen One were still really compelling. Um, and I don't know, it just felt it was just so cool. Like I, I would yeah, seriously just replay it over and over. Like uh, like you were saying, Kirsty, it's it's just that it was just that good. There wasn't there wasn't another game like that at that time that was that. I don't know. I mean, like, I mean, you could mention maybe some Final Fantasy games, you know, Chrono Trigger, you know, some of these games that were on consoles. But like, as far as handheld games, there was no, nothing close to Pokemon at that at that era. Um, it was just that big of a game in your hands. Like that, that was just amazing at the time. Um, I, I think that's one thing. Like, you know. You know, again, that's typical old person. All kids today are spoiled, but like truly, like the the Switch, it's incredible the games you can take portably now. You know, um, yeah. that you know it, we can take for granted sometimes. It's like, man, we there's huge adventures you can go on just in, in these little portable things. Anyways, um, so yeah, tons of memories with that. I I still uh, like like definitely Gen One cemented my love for the series. Gen 2, I, it just felt like it was such an amazing follow-up. Like, I, I don't know of a... Like, even if you look at the Zelda series or Mario, their second follow-ups were largely, like, people don't really like Mario Brothers 2. People don't really like Zelda 2, right? But, like... What? Like, people don't like Mario 2. <laughs> well, um, 
Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, you we'll know, save that for a different cast. Exactly, but <laughs> but but like but like in those franchises, it kind of took the third entry to to kind of like go back to the original, right? Like a link to the past and uh, Super Mario Brothers three are like quintessential games now, right? That's what that's what Gold and Silver was, but it was the follow up. It, it like it did almost everything as good if not better than Gen 1 a little bit in my mind like Gen 1 still I still yeah. have a lot of nostalgia for but it was such an amazing continuation of something that was already really good that was that was what so what was so amazing about Gold and Silver but um, anyway so I think Gold and Silver are still like my favorites that I like maybe even played more than the original but uh, yeah there's those they're just so amazing I, I like it's hard it's hard to it's hard to describe and hard to tell people that weren't there playing it at that time because you can't really reproduce that now you know you can't tell someone hey play these games now and have them think they're that amazing you know but anyways. yeah i think if you were to play red blue yellow gold silver and crystal now mm -hmm. it wouldn't stand up to the quality of game you're used to now yeah and i think yeah. a lot of it is that you got to watch the TV show alongside it. So the things that were, you know, handful of pixels on a screen mm -hmm. uh, at, at the time, you, you could embellish with having seen the show mm -hmm. um, and having seen kind of the, the stories in the show, you can attach their emotional resonance to like you playing the game. Mm -hmm. um, because it, it doesn't obviously match up beat for beat, but it feels like the same world. Yeah. So that helped the world feel a lot bigger. Because yeah. um, I think the, the reason people have been clamoring for like an open world Pokemon game for so long is because like the first one felt a little bit open world. Mm -hmm. Like it didn't have levels and it didn't yeah. have like a set, like it had a set narrative, but like you weren't forced into doing anything if you wanted to stay and grind on the first bit of grass for as long as you wanted to you could yeah. you know it, it felt like you had a lot of control over your game mm -hmm. and i feel like that uh, uh sense of control and also you know seeing it alongside the other media released with the franchise meant that it was really easy to connect to and it was really easy to feel like you were a part of it and it was really easy to to feel like you know the pokemon trainer bond that um is played up in the show and the games actually felt like real when you were a kid and i think that was you know at, at least part of it is marketing mm -hmm. but it was done really well to like make people feel connected to the game yeah. and it felt very unique like you could play, play the game differently every time yeah. you could have a different team every time you could have different mm -hmm. moves on the same team every time yeah. you could approach it very differently or you could just do it every time with your favorites and i think that freedom did make it feel like you know, if you played it through, the game, even though the story was going to be the same, the game was not going to be the same. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that was quite unique at the time. Like, not exclusive, but, you know, I mean, you can speedrun Pokemon, but not in the same way. Um, because, like, what's fun about it is figuring out how you're going to do it this time. And I think that's how they've got away with releasing games that are 
broadly the same story beats all of these years because with a bit of a change of scenery and some new Pokemon available, you can do it differently every time even when you're broadly doing the same thing. And I think that's why it was so fun to replay the early generations over and over again because it felt like the world was familiar now also you were better at it but you're still having a new adventure every time yeah Hmm. i hear that yeah i think uh you touched on something too kirsty that um the games do well is uh they they let you discover the new pokemon with the games like they typically do the the new season of the anime show you know later on right like they don't yeah like like so they don't even like spoil the pokemon in the show or give you like expectations of what these pokemon do you're you're literally still discovering these pokemon for the first time in the game format which is cool um because that that's what it was at the beginning right like you were you're literally discovering this game and then they made the show and all this other stuff later but it really felt like 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 you said those collection of pixels you you were connected to that. You're like, whoa! I have never even seen this. Like, remember seeing Gyarados's um, sprite? I just remember like it was like yeah. it was like filling up the entire area there. And it's like, what is this thing? You know? And and, and even uh, even Mewtwo. Like seeing Mewtwo, you're like, oh my goodness! This is you know like it, there was just so much to discover in the game that uh, yeah. And that 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 was really it was almost. You know, it's like it's like why people love Breath of the Wild. There's so much that you're discovering, and the game allows you to discover even late in the game, right? It, it keeps that kind yeah. of late gameplay really exciting, even if you've played it for 80, 100 hours. Um, you know, because people may not have gotten to Mewtwo till really late, right? Or known that cave was there or gone yeah. around, you know. Um, man. Uh, I think Mewtwo and the legendary... Birds yeah. is something that to this day is one of my favorite things about the early generation games mm-hmm. because you can play through the game, you can complete the story, you can watch the credits roll, and you can finish the game mm-hmm. and not see Mewtwo or the Legendary Bird. Yeah, <laughs> at all because you have to look um, in the volcano and in the islands and in the power station. Yeah. And those are all options. Well, you have to go through the islands, but you don't have to go to the bit where Articuno is. So they're all very optional places to explore. But if you know the legendary birds are there, you go and get them, and they're part of the game. Yeah. But it's it's something that's they're referenced in the game, but they're just hinted at. They could just be like lore that's in the background that you're not going to um you're not going to ever see yourself it could just be them giving you more backstory about the world but if you go and explore everything you're rewarded by meeting these legendary creatures and i think that's something that i really liked um especially with Mewtwo, because like obviously Mewtwo's backstory is tragic. Mm-hmm. We've all watched Pokemon 2000 and cried when Pikachu died. Mm-hmm. Not died, cried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> uh, yeah. cr- we cried when Pikachu cried. Yes. Um, and then, uh, you, know, you know, Mewtwo had some very wise things to say in that film. Yeah. And he was, 
are kind of a a, a beacon of of learning and changing and growing mm-hmm. for my generation of kids. Um, you know, seeing someone in the wrong learn from someone who cares about people unconditionally yeah. and changing their ways for the better. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a really really important message to have as a kid that looking back i don't i don't think that people around me that adults in my life appreciated what i was learning from pokemon and like the importance of friendship and kindness and mm-hmm. and it not being the circumstances of your birth that are important but what you do with the life that you're given which is a Mewtwo quotation from the Pokemon 2000 <laughs> yeah. film and is the premise of the Red and Blue games, like Mewtwo being created by scientists um, and at not liking being used, seeks bitter revenge on them mm-hmm. only to join your party when, admittedly, it's just through a Pokemon battle in the game, but, you know, learns to be on the side of a human. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously more explicit and profound in the film but in the game as well you see those snippets of Mewtwo's backstory but if you're the kind of person who just um sees notebooks that you can click on and read but go no that's not action I want to play the game I want to do the battles whatever you can skip Mewtwo's story entirely and I like that you had to piece it together through things that you found. I think that was like looking at the games that I play now, where even the ones that are for adults kind of spoon feed you the answers a little bit. I think I, I, I loved that that was the way that Pokemon did it because that entire backstory, if you haven't seen the film, if you haven't seen the show, and if you don't stop to click on every book you see lying abandoned on a shelf in the abandoned mount, the, um, the abandoned mansion, you won't know anything about Mewtwo. But to this day, it is a meme that people wish Mew, uh, Mewtwo happy birthday because one of the diary entries has a date on it saying Mew gave birth today. Mm-hmm. And because it's got that diary entry in it, the internet to this day know when Mewtwo was born. Yeah. Like, I love that they, they left just clues there for you to find. Mm-hmm. And it, it really made it feel special that you knew the story behind it. Because mm-hmm. your whole story could just be like your team winning the Pokemon League, mm-hmm. getting the gym badges, winning the league. Mm-hmm. But... I liked that the backstory was built in so subtly. Yeah. In those games in particular. And here's where I admit that I know Mewtwo from a Detective Pikachu movie. (laughs) (laughs) I I definitely recommend watching uh, Pokemon the Movie 2000. Yeah. I don't know if I want to see Pikachu cry. I don't know if I can handle it. <laughs> Pikachu cries for the right reasons. Like, yes. you will cry yeah. with Pikachu. Yeah. But, like, you'll, 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 you'll feel better afterwards. Yeah. You'll um, appreciate, mm-hmm. you'll appreciate the story that it was. Yeah. And I, I think, think I think it, I think it made an impact on my generation for sure. Like, you can tell the people that were into Pokemon by the way they they react to that film yeah 
Oh man, I could listen to you guys talk all day. <laughs> Looking at the clock, I'm like, oh, we got so much we got to talk That's about. That's true. Sorry. Um, so did you guys, um, and maybe Kirsty more so because you had both, but I don't know if Justin traded. Did you try to uh, catch them all? Did you get all? There was 151, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, did you have a favorite. Ooh, I definitely got them all. Um, I still do. It is still my um, like my goal every single game to get first off complete the Pokedex, then I want to get a living dex, and then I want to get like a battle ready living dex so that no matter which of the Pokemon in the Pokedex I am fighting with, they are like top form. And then on a few, I've started working on a shiny living dex, but that just takes so long. Um, I've never completed a shiny living dex before like the new game has come out but on alpha sapphire i think i had about 70 which is like all that i caught or hatched myself which is the most shinies i've ever had in a game uh so i was getting there 70 out of about four or five hundred i'm not sure exactly how many are in that game but yeah massive completionist for me um pokedex wise yeah, I, I I definitely collected uh, a lot more early on, like like wanted to fill the Pokedex. So I, I remember doing that in Gen One and Two. I like I kind of I, I would I would kind of you know get my battle group together, you know get my core six and and then kind of catch the Pokemon I was interested in catching in. Like like oh this design looks really cool or oh this this dual typing is really interesting. I'm gonna get that Pokemon. So I so kind of later games and since I haven't done, I keep but like every new generation, Kirsty, I'm like I'm gonna catch them all this time. This this is gonna be the <laughs> you know so so like I have not I, I don't have I've probably caught most of the Pokemon throughout the generations. I I have not gotten Pokemon Bank yet to to you know like officially catalog yeah. all of them, but. I do. I do want to eventually do that. I wish there was more you could do with them in Pokemon Bank, and you know, there's that's here nor there. Right? That's a whole other discussion. But, um, but yeah, I do want to get a full, you know, living decks at some point. And 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 to give you like like seventy shinies, that's awesome because I think like like just randomly, like I never did a lot of the shiny farming or the uh, breeding or anything like that. I think, like, I've probably only caught, like, organically, just playing through the games normally, maybe two or three Shinies in 20-plus in years, you know? So, um, yeah, like, the Shinies are very cool. Like, I, I love them when, when you can get them, but I have, I have not um, uh, ascended to try and <laughs> to try, try doing the Shiny decks or anything, but... Uh, it seems like it's easier in the newer games, from what I'm reading. I know Pokemon Legends uh, so, started some of that, but it's easier from a player perspective. Mm-hmm. The odds are still the same, uh, okay. but because Pokemon, you can see Pokemon in the overworld. Yeah, you don't have to walk into grass. Yeah, and battle all of them mm-hmm. because like twenty or thirty spawn at a time. You can see at a glance if there's a shiny, assuming it is a shiny that 
um, is distinctly different from its original colouring. Yes. If it's a Pikachu or a Garchomp that look quite similar to the original colours, yeah. you'll still have to like go up, engage them in battle, and then see if they sparkle. Yeah. In Arceus, they sparkle in the overworld and there's a sound effect. Yeah. So as soon as they spawn, you know there's a shiny nearby. In Scarlet and Violet, there's no longer the sparkle and there's no longer the sound effect, mm. but you can still see if there are different color in the overworld. And because you can see all of the Pokemon around you and you can just go and walk up to the shiny, mm. it's easier to find shinies. But the odds are still the same, but you no mm. longer have to like hope to randomly encounter them. Right. Yeah. You the don't... way you used to. <laughs> yeah, like hundreds so of just random, random, random battles, or like as you'd like spawn it, you'd uh, like fly to a town, right, and then immediately head out into the grass in that town, and then and then kind of rinse and repeat. Or there's a lot of different like crazy methods, but um... yeah. And if you walk out into the grass, um, in really anything up to a generation five, six, whatever it was, where they started doing overworld sprites mm -hmm. if you walk into the grass there might be a shiny in the square next to you but you don't know that mm -hmm. but in the new games because they have you can see the pokemon walking around nearby you can see if there's a shiny near you so the odds of a shiny spawning at all are the same as they've always been but because you see 20 Pokemon at once instead of one Pokemon at once, mm -hmm. it's easier to spot them. Yeah. That, that is cool. That does give me hope, though, that the... I, I do like that they've kept the odds the same because then it makes it still special, right, to, yeah. to get the shiny with, you know, even, even if it's, like, a little bit easier for the player now, right, to not, yeah. not just do all the crazy I mean, things they like... used to do with soft resets and stuff. Yeah, I quite like... So in Scarlet and Violet, when I found out they got rid of the shiny noise mm -hmm. and the sparkle in the, like, overworld bit, so before you've engaged them in battle, yeah. I thought that would really annoy me because then I, I can't tell if something that's a similar colour as it's shiny is shiny. But then I spotted a couple and it was so much more satisfying that I'd spotted them and it made more sense that they just blended in with the rest of the Pokemon that they were around because that felt a bit more realistic Yeah. in a way. I know Pokemon's not a realistic game mm. by any stretch, but it felt like that is how you would come across a shiny Pokemon. Like, you'd just yeah. see it in the wild. It wouldn't sparkle. It wouldn't make a noise. Yeah. It felt a bit more kind of immersive. Yeah. And actually playing the game, I preferred it although I thought I wouldn't. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I thought, I think that's a broadly good choice, even if it does make similar color shinies slightly more difficult to find. Yeah. And they probably did it too because of the terrestrializing effect that already sparkles and shines really bright. So they're like, how do we differentiate yeah. between shiny and that? And, yeah. Yeah. I think, <laughs> yeah, because the terrestrializing, a Pokemon that can terrestrialize sparkles from a distance. Mm -hmm. Um, but I I feel like I realize this is very off topic if we're talking about Generation One. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the things that I felt was a little bit unnecessary is the way it says an item on the floor. It also glows from a distance. Mm. 
which felt like exactly the opposite of the way I felt about the shiny because items on the floor wouldn't glow uh, in the same way shiny Pokemon wouldn't glow and I feel like that was a weird choice like I get it because it's a more complex terrain uh, than the main series games have done up until now and they want to encourage you to explore it because it's open world and by going oh there's something over there I can pick up you're more likely to stray off the path but I don't know I think it I think it it's a very minor thing (laughs) ultimately it doesn't matter well uh to answer your other question trev you're you're asking about like favorite pokemon i man oh, yeah, yeah. there's that that's hard like any any favorite discussion is really hard for me because i'm like oh i like a lot of things you know <laughs> but um i i would say as far as gen one and gen two i loved uh so let's say gen one let's limit it to gen one mewtwo was fantastic i, I think mewtwo is great um, I loved the legendary birds, um, uh, out, out of the starters, I would probably say, uh, I mean, you know, Charmander's kind of the typical, I, I, I liked Squirtle or Bulbasaur a little bit more, but, um, for Gen 2, I loved Cyndaquil. That's where I was like, okay, fire, fire starters are great. This is awesome. You know? So I love Cyndaquil. Uh, and I loved uh, Suicune, the one of the legendary dogs, yeah. uh, legendary trio dogs in um, Gen Two. Man, uh, I really the, the legendary dogs in general. I mean, uh, all three of them were uh, really cool designs. I, I love when they uh, they had the what was it the Thunder Pokemon? They had, like Thunderous and uh, some of those. Those kind of remind me of of those those early trios a little bit, but. Um, Anyways, uh, those are those are some of my favorites. I uh, like since then. I, I really love uh, Eveltal, um, uh, and you know from X and Y, uh, the Y legendary. Uh, there's been there's been a lot of good designs since then. I really like a lot of Gen Eight Pokemon, even the Gen Nine, uh, so good. But early on, I was not necessarily a Pikachu fan. I liked Pikachu, but he wasn't typically in my party. Or you know, there were other. I always thought Bulbasaur and, you know, was a bit cuter. I don't know. <laughs> My, so I don't, I don't really remember having a favorite from Gen 1. Because mm-hmm. um, I think, I think over my many playthroughs, I used a lot of Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely had a quite varied team. And I used all three starters at various points. And I don't... Maybe I did lean towards more, but if I did, I don't remember it. My favourite Pokemon of all time is a Generation 2 Pokemon, and it is Crobat. And it is because Crobat... So when Generation 2 come out, they introduced the evolution via friendship mechanic, which I didn't quite understand. Because when you evolve Pokemon by level and experience... You can see level and experience in a bar that tracks how much experience you have. Mm-hmm. Simple. But the friendship mechanic did not have a way of tracking how friendly a Pokemon was towards you. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, my first couple of playthroughs, I didn't quite understand how it worked. Mm-hmm. And a Golbat was the first ever Pokemon that evolved via friendship for me. Um, 
and I had it in my party just because I was evolving it from a crowbat, no, from a zubat into a golbat, mm-hmm. uh, and then I was just gonna like put it to one side and evolve something else. Mm-hmm. And then the rival surprised me <laughs> when most of my team wasn't doing very well, and absolutely ruined me until I had just my golbat left. I won the battle using my golbat, and then it evolved into a crowbat, oh. and. I was so touched by the fact that my Golbat that I was about to dump with the professor uh, had won a battle for me and then evolved via friendship that I kept it on my team. And every team, every game where I can have, you can catch a Zubat, mm-hmm. I've had a Crobat on my team ever since. No. Because, like, Crobat is my go-to partner Pokemon. No. Um, ever since then and again it's it's one of those like the things that stay with you as a kid it's a weird sentimental thing mm-hmm. but it has stuck with me and i have a like my crowbat tattoo was my first ever tattoo huh. <laughs> like that's how wow. much that experience stuck with me as a kid yeah. um and like i i agree i like a lot of the new designs as well mm-hmm. um i think Sinisty and Poltygeist from Sword and Shield are absolutely brilliant. Um, Partly because I am so happy they made a cup of tea Pokemon. Yes. (laughs) Partly because I think the puns for names are absolutely brilliant. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the Grimmsnarl Impidimp line is so cool. Yes. I think there are a lot of a lot of good new ones that get very underrated mm-hmm. a lot of the ones that people don't like i find adorable like i really like Klefki, and a bunch yeah. of people were sort of going oh it's just a key ring it's like okay well execute was just eggs yeah i don't care <laughs> it's a cute key ring yeah let right. me have my adorable fairy key ring pokemon let me be happy that's right <laughs> oh, oh man yeah, we, it, yeah. We, we'll be here all day if we're picking favorites, Trev. There, 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 there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of cool. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like, um, I guess I gotta say Pikachu because, like, I saw him in Smash Brothers. I think that's when I realized Pokemon wasn't just like fad. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, and uh, also, I played Yellow, uh-huh. so you know he followed me around on the map. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But mainly, and I was joking with Kersey about this earlier. Playing the old game without the experience share, uh-huh. I'm like, oh, it totally should be an option for people who, you know, are, are the purists, but yep. I can't do it without it. It's just like, I'm just like circling the grass and <laughs> like, oh, I can't, yeah, in, I've got spoiled. Yeah. In red and blue, you get it after you've defeated the Pokemon League. Uh-huh. You get it as like a reward for defeating the Pokemon League, at which point your team are probably leveled up enough that you don't need it. Uh-huh. Um, so I never really used it. In, and then in Generation 2, it's a hold item. So you can give it to one Pokemon at a time, uh-huh. uh, which I think it stayed that way for a little while. Um, and it, it just feels like... I get. I, I mean, I guess it means you've got to be more strategic with it. Yeah. But 
yeah it, it doesn't have the same same impact as it does now um but yeah i think for me i don't think i missed the exp share as much as i missed uh the running shoes because oh, just yeah. being able to go a little bit faster yes I, I think as a kid obviously i didn't i didn't realize i didn't know any better that was the speed at which games were played mm-hmm. but um after having played generation two and three or even after you've like played red and blue and yellow and got a bike after the third town yeah. if you start the game over again where you have to start off and then go through three towns before you even get the bike. That is a very long process. You forget how slow you, your character walks. Yeah. Yeah. Br- bring our. We, we need more Pegasus boots. More Pegasus. Boots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it um. Yeah, I'm looking at the clock. We've been talking forty five minutes. Uh, I want to talk about Kanto region. Uh, obviously yeah. the. The Pokemon games are kind of other region and, you know, sort of where the influences come from. Um, Kanto started it off. So what did you guys think of Kanto region? I mean, it's, it's, it's classic. Uh, you know, Kanto is, is where it all started. Um, I, you know, I, I liked, I liked a lot of the layout. I'm trying to remember a lot of it now, but, um, I have that map just burned into my brain. Yeah. Like I can see it now. And like I think there are things about it that I didn't appreciate as a kid that I can do as an adult. So the obviously the first town is Pallet Town. Yeah. And then every town is named after a color. Mm-hmm. And I think the Pokemon games were actually really, really good at um, using the limited color palette of a Game Boy. Yes. Because they just, I think they just used two colors each and it was red and blue, but they inversed it. So Pokemon Red was mostly red, Pokemon Blue was mostly blue, and then they used the other color as highlights. Um, they didn't, and it was just that one color with shading for the most part. Um, but you could see from the design, even with that limitation, you could see from the design of each town what it was meant to be and the colors reflected the type of the gym um so cerulean city which is a blue was the water type gym um and so on and so forth uh and i think it just you can you can tell that thought went into the concept that they knew children weren't going to appreciate but they did and as an adult looking back at it, I think that's really cool. You could tell they were making taking pride in what they were doing, just because they wanted to put out something that had these just fun, fun bits of detail in them. I think it's it's similar to the way that you know Mewtwo's story was scattered throughout it. Like, it doesn't matter that the towns were named after colours. It doesn't matter that the colours matched up to the type of the gym leader in each town. If they didn't do that, the game would still be perfectly playable, perfectly the same amount of enjoyable. But I like that they came up with a fun idea and implemented it well. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and I think they have kept that up somewhat, but I th- I do think that red and blue did it incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is amazing how much they got right with the with the region, even the variety, like like even even surfing over water, like like exploring the islands, like all of this. It again. You know, it was such an immersive world, and it was such a diverse world. You know, like there's mountain, yeah. there's mountains, there's caves, there's, you know, uh, you know, going through Mount Moon, and then, you know, going up to the Elite Four, and and all of that. It was just really, man, they they really just, you know, nailed the details, like you said. And I think for a for a game with 150 Pokemon, of which. Four, no, so four, there are only one of, and mm-hmm. three, there are only one of, plus you can only pick one of the three. Yeah. Um, they still managed to make it feel very full, and I think that's something that I don't think we appreciate as much now, because now the games usually have like they don't have the full pokedex because there's a thousand and that would take forever and like pokemon games come out at a rapid enough pace as it is um but in when there was just 150 151 if you count mew but you had to get that an event um they made the world feel very busy and occupied and now you'll have games that have 600 pokemon and people will still complain, oh, I'm just seeing the same things over and over again. I'm just seeing the same Pokemon over and over again. But that first generation, 150 Pokemon and a bunch of those were very difficult to come across or had only one in the game. And it still felt full. It still felt busy. It still didn't feel like repetitive. And I think that's that's an achievement in itself. Yeah, that 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 I think goes to you know one of your uh, other questions that I uh, I figure you'll probably ask Trev is you know what what what's uh what's made this series so popular and some of the things we've been talking about like we're playing the games over and over right but um, some of it is it was still able to stay so unique because you know man they 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 filled the game really well but you're also seeing things that. Like, like again, with the starter Pokemon, you know, if you didn't have a friend to trade with, you might play through three times picking each different starter each time, you know? So there's a lot of, uh, there's so much uh, gameplay to, to be had in, in Pokemon games, and there's so many things to still see even late in the game, too, that I think that's what makes it really exciting for me. There's a lot of games that, that will arbitrarily uh, add a lot of hours you know like hey you just need to play this over and over and over to see something it felt like pokemon you uh you were seeing lots of cool things all the time throughout even long play sessions so well said i um you know one thing i appreciate saying this not as a, a pokemon enthusiast like you guys um i mentioned how when like pikachu was in smash i knew Okay, this is kind of the real deal but i'm a bit older than you guys so i don't know how much awareness you had but game boy 
just before Pokemon was really like one foot in the grave. Like mm. it had done its job. It had it killed like superior handhelds like the Turbo Express, the Atari Lynx, mm -hmm. Mega Game Gear. It was old in '89. By '96, it was positively archaic. <laughs> and look, I remember magazines. You know, I was into magazines, print media, even then. Mm -hmm. We're writing obituaries for the Game Boy. No, it's it's retired. It's done. We can't take it anymore in 96 mm -hmm. and then Pokemon comes out and I've never seen a system a console a handheld at a second wind the Game Boy did yeah. I'm like oh my goodness like it just keeps chugging along and then the Game Boy Color and which was pretty much you know the Game Boy yeah and it had several more years of life and I'm just wondering why Pokemon why was this the game uh, to save a system Oh, that would have already even if it died then it was already popular but just added so many more or sales yeah. why do you guys think it, it was or do you even have a, a thought on that i mean when at that time i was a kid who was desperate for a game boy uh so i don't have a huge, huge amount of knowledge about what Nintendo was doing, what consoles were doing, what, you know, the industry competition was like at the time. I was just a kid who thought Game Boys were cool and I wanted one. Um, but I know that Pokemon was the game I wanted it for because I would play Mario and donkey kong on my cousin's game boys and i thought that was great but but when it come down to it when my nan took me to the shop and said i'm buying you a game boy for your birthday what games do you want with it i wanted pokemon that was what i wanted um that was the system selling. and yeah i feel like if if there, were, if, there were, if there were lots of other kids like me sure like that makes sense when i came down to it because like pokemon was I think Pokemon had really good marketing because it did hit kids at exactly the same time yeah. with the TV show and the trading card game and the plushies mm -hmm. oh, and yeah. the video games. Yeah. So you were over, you couldn't avoid Pokemon. You were overwhelmed by Pokemon. Yeah. And it was very well... Like, it wasn't a very gendered show. Mm. It, I felt like it was the kind of thing that boys and girls could both get into. Mm um it, it didn't it didn't feel like it was excluding anyone from it yeah. because it's you know main group of characters was pretty diverse for a kids show in the 90s yeah um as in it had a boy and a girl <laughs> yeah. um <laughs> yeah uh and it was yeah and i think i think it like also kind of having all of the different Pokemon as well. Like yeah. your your favorite can be some weird little gremlin one and you can still get a video game. You can still get it in the game. You can still fight with it in the game. You can still use it. You can still get the trading card of it. You can probably still find a plushie of it somewhere. Like there are going to be the, the main mascots of the um, franchise from the TV show, but now especially people have made uh, um art and 
homemade plushies and various collectibles out of every Pokemon under the sun because it didn't matter what you connected to as a kid it is going to be in an episode and your favorite episode is going to be the one with your favorite Pokemon and your favorite Pokemon you can use in the game so there are lots of different things for kids to latch onto didn't matter how weird you were you could latch onto your weird thing if you didn't like Pikachu you could like something else and i feel like that and there are a bunch of different pokemon that had kind of main series narratives um that you could follow along with and really connect to their story on top of just thinking they have a cool design i think there are a lot of factors that made pokemon really popular and it being a game boy exclusive was also you know did help the game boy because it was just such a a cultural phenomenon unlike anything else i can't think of another franchise that has like had the impact that pokemon has had yeah yeah i agreed like um i think you said it really well kirsty like it, it it appealed to everybody like everybody was included right like um at the and and that was at a time where you know the, i mean this is before the ds you know the ds was kind of you know popular for you know the touch generation games and nintendo dogs and you know appealing to a broader uh both age range and you know uh female players and it was like man yeah pokemon did have a diverse cast you already had the you have all the Pokemon, so you'd have like there may be a girl trainer in the game that you're fighting, and she has a Ghastly, right, as her as her favorite partner Pokemon, right? So it's like you could have these, you know, maybe and, and Ghastly is an awesome Pokemon. I'm not saying it's a weird Pokemon, but there's uh you know like any Pokemon in the game was lovable, and I, I think that's something they really you know emphasize that the Pokemon has to be something. Uh, that can be you would you would imagine it being your friend right you could imagine yeah. this creature being friendly so sort of and um, and yeah like I think everybody can see themselves in someone in Pokemon wh- whether it's like oh that Pokemon's cute or that character is I want to be that trainer or I want to be that uh, Pokemon researcher that are taking the pictures of the Pokemon or you know it's it's a very inclusive yeah. world um, for just whatever you want to do. You know, it just felt like it was, you know, if we were all living in kind of a perfect world and we could all explore the, you know, almost like that Star Trek ideal world of like, yeah, if uh, you know, there's no money, like yeah, if you do what you want to do because you want to do it. You know, it just it feels like Pokemon's that kind of world. You know, like yeah, uh, you whatever you wanted to do, you could do it. You know. I think the TV show really helped with the sense of inclusivity because mm-hmm. I think the, the one that comes to mind specifically with this conversation that we're having now uh, is the one where Ash catches a Caterpie mm-hmm. and Misty freaks out because she's like, I hate bugs, yes. I can't be around bugs, get it away from me. Yep. And then she ends up bonding with the Caterpie because actually he's adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then Caterpie becomes a beautiful butterfree. Um, and then it's heartbreaking a few episodes later when Butterfree like leaves because it's fallen in love mm-hmm. and it can't be with Ash anymore. Yeah. And Ash supports it going after having like a family. Yeah. And 
that arc is four, three episodes long, something like that. And you see, um, I think it's really validating to kids who liked the weird Pokemon. And that's a really early one as well. Um, And I think having that early in the series gave every kid who liked a weird background Pokemon, who like that was their favorite, like the strength to go, well, you know what? You're just like Misty being afraid of cat me. But the fact is if you gave it a chance, you'd love it like I do, because that is exactly how that narrative went. And then everyone was heartbroken when Butterfree had to leave. And it's like, that is exactly, that gives you the kind of space to go, nah, it doesn't matter what you like. This is my favorite and I really like it. And I think having the game paired with the show meant that you could see trainers bonding with Grimer, which is a lump of sludge (laughs) with a face. The kind of thing that you're going to look at and not go, oh, it's adorable, like you would a Pikachu, for instance. But that once you've seen a story arc with someone bonding with its personality, you go, you know what? Yeah, maybe I want one of those on my team. And I, f- I feel like, you know, without being very explicit about what its moral message is, it it taught kids a lot about kind of seeing beyond uh first glances and things like that Mm -hmm. first impressions and also like being comfortable that like what other people like is not always the same as what you like and that's okay Mm um and being able to have differences of opinion about things that really aren't all that deep and i think that's that you know that gave people the freedom to like like what they wanted to like especially when you're a child because you know there's a lot of anxiety about being a kid and wanting to fit in and wanting to be popular and things like that and i think having those kind of messages sort of baked into the premise of the game um is is really nice it's really nice yeah yeah you guys make you guys make good points and um (laughs) You know, it makes me kind of appreciate, like, like you know, adults, critics, whatever can say, oh, one thing, but the the, the market was kids, and kids aren't going to know that, oh, you know, this system isn't as popular, or, <laughs> or you know, this is a marketing tool. You know, they're gonna gonna like what they like, and yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah it's just funny to think about. It. I I almost wish I was a little bit younger. I mean, well, I, I mean, I was a kid still, not like I'm old man yelling at cloud but <laughs> older teen and I, I just i wonder if i was maybe maybe younger if i could have appreciated it more we're already over the hour mark but mm. I, I feel like we get to at least touch on the fact that yeah at least first gen games lived on in remakes we got fire red leaf green on the mm. game Boy advance um the let's go game on the switch uh which i think justin reviewed one of them mm. um just real quick what did you guys think of of the remakes I, so I got Fire Red and Leaf Green when I was, when they came out, when I was about like 13, 14. And I understand why they didn't do so well compared to the Let's Go games, because the kids who played Red, Blue and Yellow were not yet 
adults with disposable income. And I feel like if they'd waited a few more years, they would have done better because the target market was still kids who had to ask their parents to buy them games. <laughs> and the parents are more likely to go, well, you've already got that game. Yeah. You don't need it again. Um, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. But um, that's why I think the Let's Go games did a lot better. Yeah. Um, and I've, I like... I liked Fire and Leaf Green. I liked the way they added in the Sevi Islands as the post game, because as a kid, in the show, you had the Kanto region, then you had the Orange Archipelago, Archipelago, then you had uh, the Johto region. But in the games, you just had the Kanto region and then straight to the Johto region. You didn't have the islands in the middle. I liked that the Sevi Islands were not quite the Orange Islands, but they paid homage to that like middle season that didn't quite get a game to itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that was quite, quite a fun way of adding to the game while still staying true to that early series. Um, because as like in the Orange Islands episodes. Uh, the gym badges were about doing tasks with your Pokemon rather than just battling. And I feel like that is still something that Pokemon as a franchise is experimenting with and hasn't quite uh hasn't hasn't quite decided how they want to do it. Uh, uh but it's clearly an idea they've had since generation one. And I like that they touched on the fact that that was a part of it in those first remakes um i liked let's go because i felt like it was a really good um it was a really good way of figuring out what they wanted to do with the main series games going forward because it was like they tested out actually throwing the pokeball with the motion sensor of the joy cons um they tested out seeing Pokemon sprites in the overworld for the first time, mm-hmm. uh, which they've stuck with, and I think is really cool because I really like seeing the sprites in the overworld. Um, I think it was a really good way to both hit on the nostalgia factor of that generation and experiment with new things. And I think they actually hit, hit a really good balance of new and old in those remakes. It balances. It's I feel that's key because you know you have to change too much, and then the existing fans are going to be like, "Oh no, this isn't what I'm used to." But <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, no, you yeah. don't change it enough. It's like I've already played. Like, yeah. I, I feel like it's almost yeah a situation where it's like you know you you can't really win. You can just kind of minimize your loss. Yeah. I think Pokemon is one of those franchises. Is that? is its popularity is kind of to its detriment because everyone's going to complain about something you'll always get people saying this is not the same as the last games <laughs> or you at the same time you get people saying these are too similar to the last games and you can't please everyone and it's a yeah. delicate delicate like balancing act to do yeah. and i think one of the things that pokemon as a franchise is really good at is being accessible to children and people who are playing the game for the first time, while also 
but still being enjoyable for adults who have been playing it for 30 years. And I think that's a very difficult thing to do. And I think the way that if you're a kid, you can just get a powerful Pokemon and then smash through it with your most powerful move and not have to think too much about strategy. Um, I think the fact that that is possible for a child is key to it still hitting its target market of children. But the fact that it also has the complex, you know, team building, battle strategy, element, competitive play that adults do more often, or at least older kids as well as adults. Um, I think the fact that it can do both is really impressive. Like for all of the flaws that the newer games have, the fact they've managed to retain an audience for nearly 30 years and still consistently appeal to children is is something i don't see a lot of franchises doing as consistently as pokemon Mm -hmm. well said i i love i love you guys knowledge i love the passion um i can't wait till we get to to some pokemon games i know a little bit better yeah (laughs) Um, that was awesome we could keep going i had a lot more more notes here but I, I feel like i have to turn it over to justin to wrap it up or uh, you're never going to get to bed first yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> i could go all night i shouldn't but i could <laughs> yeah well uh thank you so much uh yeah again kirsty i know it's late late your time and uh thanks for hopping on it, it's always a joy talking pokemon with you and uh and trev i i'm i'm excited with with every new pokemon game you get to experience and um i uh, we'll have to trade some Pokemon coming up here and uh, uh, share share some notes. Do another pure Nintendo game night and um, uh, yes. and, and try the new the online co-op, right? Like actually, like that's that's uh, going to be cool to try out. Like actually playing in the world and uh, joining up, getting on Discord. So, anyways, um, thanks again, Kirsty and Trev, and uh, thanks everyone for listening. And there'll be more. Uh, KoopaCast coming up here on Pokemon games and uh, other series as well so stay tuned for, for more next time